You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and we got a movie review. That's right. We haven't done a movie review, what, in four weeks or so? You know, it's been a while since we've done one. I think, actually, Wonder Woman was our last movie review that we did on the show. So, you know, that's been, you know, since last year. So this is the first movie review for 2021. This is pretty awesome. And we are going to go back because <laughs> we're, go- you know, we're going back anyway. So we're going back to actually to 2000. And it's we're looking at the 20th anniversary of the movie. Ready for this, folks? Almost famous. That's right. The Cameron Crowe classic. And truthfully, for me, this is... This is my favorite Cam and Crow movie that he did, and I love a lot of the other films that you know we'll touch on that, that that we'll talk on and everything. And it should be a lot of fun to get into you know almost famous how you know close to the biography of you know Cameron Crow this was and you know what it was based off of. And it's also Ashley Paul's first time watching this movie, so that's going to be even more great. So, and speaking of somebody who is almost famous, let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Yes, we're going back to the year 2000. Sorry. It's crazy, man. Is that a, is really that a is crazy. thing? Is that, are we going to get sued for that? I don't know. But, um... Oh, most likely. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> wow. Remember when 2000 was like something we aspired to? It was the future. Now it's like 21 years ago. Dude, I just wanted a party like it was 1999. Exactly. So like a, we thought that, you know, we thought things were going to be over. Party over. Oh, course, exactly. You know, we'd have to wait till 2020 until we, the party was really over. <laughs> yeah. Y2K <laughs> of that. Wait till 2020, dude. Exactly. <laughs> That'll really mess with your mind. Come on. <laughs> well, it's good to see you here this week, sir. Absolutely. It's good to be here. You know, it's the week of love and, you know, we love talking about movies and we love talking about old movies. I guess this is considered an old movie, but to it Ashley is, it is. To Ashley. <laughs> well, it was, we were watching the movie, what was it? Silver Warren was the first movie with Spider-Man and he was, you know, Spider-Man. You remember that classic movie, Empire Strikes Back? Exactly. That's 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 why we love Ashley. Exactly. To her, it's the same way. You know, I think she was five when this movie came out. She makes us feel old and she makes us feel young at the same time. It's pretty darn awesome. Hey, she likes dealing with us old people, so it's okay. (laughs) So it is awesome, though. It is really awesome to be here tonight. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. Please let us know what you guys thought of this movie. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Also, you know, as we like to say, if you enjoy our show, tell all your friends, tell all your neighbors. You can find our show wherever fine podcasts are found. And, you know, give us five stars, rate us. That would be awesome while you're there. It would be, you know, it takes two seconds to do and just say, Mike and Mike are great. We love hearing them talk about all this useless stuff out in the universe, which is pretty darn awesome. But, you know, this is why we do this. We love talking to you guys. And it's just a boatload of fun 
And, you know, we couldn't do this without you. And speaking of doing it without you, you know, if you have a little extra shekels in your pocket or if you want to support ESO a little more, of course, we recommend the ESO Network Patreon where you could talk about all kinds of really cool stuff and find out tons of cool stuff. Like hearing this show 48 hours before the rest of the world does, you you definitely get to hear that. And for as little as a dollar a month you could definitely talk to us and you could definitely get in contact with us and you could be, you know, part of the in-group because you could become a member of the ESO Patron Society and you too for a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. That's right, folks. For fifteen dollars, you could even be a co-host on a podcast of the ESO Network for an episode. It's pretty cool, you know. Get you up here, talk about your favorite topic that you get to pick on whichever show you want to be a part of. So it's pretty cool. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Before we also forget, let's thank our sponsor for this week. Are of course our friends at Tofosi Optics. Tofosi Optics is coming to you. Spring is right around the corner. And what else with sunglasses is springtime. Sunglasses, springtime, doesn't get much easier than that, folks. You can custom make your own pair of sunglasses. You could have bright red lenses with purple frames, or you could do green and yellow like spring or a Sprite can. You know, it's one of those two things. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, if you order from Tafosi Optics and put in Earth Station 1 into the coupon code, guess what, folks? You get 10% off your full order. Not just one pair of glasses, but your whole order. That's pretty darn awesome. So definitely check Tafosi Optics at tafosioptics.com and tell them Earth Station One sends you. All right, Mikey. We're about to break out something that we haven't talked about in quite some time. It is 2021. It is now time to bring back rants and raves. Woo-hoo! You're ready to oh. rant and rave, Mikey. Rant we haven't done this for a rave. while. No, we have exactly. Not. You know, and you know, folks, 2021, you know, is almost a continuation of 2020. And there's lots of stuff I could be sitting here bitching about and complaining about. But, you know, I want to take this to a good start. So we're going to go talk about positive stuff in 2021. And, wow. you know, try, a new guy. I'm trying to. I'm trying to turn off a new leaf, you know, and this new leaf of Mike Faber, you know, nice, calm, cool, mellow guy, you know, I have to live up to the dude, you know, so I got to, <laughs> and no, I have not started smoking pot more, so it's okay. You know, more. I'm leaving that to, I'm leaving that to Kevin Smith, you know, he, sure, you know, sure. exactly. So, you know. What have you, what's been going on with you, dude? You know, have, I know we've been watching tons of TV shows. We've been watching, you know, tons of movies. You know, we've been talking about it mostly in our shout outs at the end of the episodes, but you know, what's been knocking your socks off lately? Well, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you're right there. You know, things are kind of stri- getting back to, I wouldn't say normal, but you know, we're starting to see content. Uh, content that was supposed to be out last year is starting to slip in and some new content, you know, we're starting to see new things, uh, new shows, um, coming back finally. Um, you know, the CW has dropped, uh, their new shows. Um, that woman has started. And as of tonight, black lightning starts as well. So, um, that's cool. Um, and of course, everybody's talking about WandaVision, uh, we're and and, and rightly so. 
WandaVision is an amazing show, so much so that uh, we are definitely going to be spending an episode uh, later on talking about all about that show because it is a series that is that is, man, you could talk about every episode for three hours <laughs> it's only like a half hour ep- the shows are only half an hour oh dude the easter eggs and the you know all the little things that you probably missed the first time you watch the show is staggering and you know i loved hearing in the first two episodes how people are saying oh i don't get this show i don't get what's going on i don't understand and now they're like Oh, I want to watch more. I want to watch more. I want to watch more. Because, you know, it, it's just pretty damn amazing to see what they're doing. And it is an intelligent show. It is really smart. It's very and, smart. And, yeah, I've heard people thought, you know, saying, oh, I wish episode four was the first episode. And then they would have done it otherwise. No, no. It's great that they kept you guessing and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And it's great to see now, you know, this all starting to come together because it's what, nine episodes? I, I think, think so. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're up. This was episode five. We're going to be episode six. So we got three episodes left after, you know. And, uh, you know, we're not spoiling anything here. So we'll go into our spoiler discussion, like I said, uh, after the series is over. Um, but one thing it also has brought up is a lot of people, once again, are starting to debate whether or not shows should be um, released week to week or all at once. Like, you know, there's the Disney model, just to name a few, but the Disney model where they release episodes one a week. And then there's the Netflix and Amazon model where they just dump a whole series in front of you and you can watch it at your leisure. Most people will binge it in a weekend. Um, so, um, I, I like, uh, the idea of, uh, I mean, I hate to wait sometimes, but I, I like the idea of, uh, a week to week. Um, certainly business wise, it makes sense. Uh, because it's obviously like if you're Disney plus it's like, oh, I've got, you know, subscribers for two months, maybe even three, as opposed to just a weekend. Right. So, uh, so it makes sense that way because it drags it out, but I like, especially with WandaVision and even with Mandalorian before it, I liked watching an episode and then thinking about it for a week instead of just diving right in into the next one. And so it's all just a blur. Um, well, well, if you think about it, man, this brings back the water cooler talk. This brings back you actually talking about this episode. You know, if you think about it, something like, what was it? Uh, Queen's Gambit that came out last year that was all released all at once boom 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 you talked about it for a week and then that was it you know yeah you talked about it a couple weeks later but you something like wandavision you're talking about every week for the last five weeks and you're going to be talking about it now leading up to you know to the final and each week it's going to be something else different you're going to be talking about. I would love to be able to be having on our show a segment each week to WandaVision because there's so much to talk about. And that's what's great. And that's what it brings it back. You know, if you think about it, the first couple episodes, actually even this week's episode of WandaVision was an homage to 80s TV. Before that, it was 70s, 70s 60s, 60s, and 50s, 50s. Yeah. each week. And 
this is what we grew up with was weekly TV shows. You know, we talked about, oh, did you see what happened on Lost last week? Oh, that was awesome. Do you, how, what do you think is going to happen next? I don't know because that episode hasn't come out yet. You don't get it all thrown down. Your, we got spoiled with, you know, the streaming and them releasing everything all at once. I think it's a, a brilliant move to take it back to the way it used to be yeah. with regular TV shows. Because I don't have self-discipline enough to, yeah, I mean, certainly on Netflix, I could watch any of the Netflix shows week to week if I wanted to, right? But I don't have that kind of self-discipline. And, uh, you know, and really, if you're, if the goal is to try to watch it while it's hot, watch it before it's spoiled, then you have to, like, cram it down your throat before, like, you know, because people are going to be, certainly if, if, if Netflix drops a, a series on Friday, by Monday, everybody's going to know the ending, and it's going to be out. Oh, there. exactly! It's going to be spoiled completely. Yeah. And you know, like I'll give you an example. You know, there's certain shows that Judy and I are now catching up on, and we've been watching. Uh, what's it? Fargo, and we've been. You know, we've we now finished this last weekend. We finished the third season of it, but we've been binge watching all the way through. We would have gone nuts if we would have had to wait week after week after week, like they showed it on FX originally, or or something even Breaking Bad. You know, we're able to watch it now all at once and not have to worry about oh, you know, we got to wait next week to find out what Walter White is going to be doing or finding out what Saul is going to be doing. You know, it's pretty amazing, you know, how spoiled we've gotten with streaming. And it's a recent thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah, and I look, I mean, I get it. I mean, if a show like when Netflix drops Stranger Things, I drop everything and watch it uh, that weekend. Same thing with all the Marvel shows. I mean, Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage and all those series, Daredevil. I just crammed those down because I thought it was great. But if you'd ask me episode to episode, which one is which and what happened in every single, like, I, it just feels like one big movie, one big story. It doesn't feel like, but if you ask me about Mandalorian or WandaVision, I can tell you what happened in every single episode because I got to think about, and sit on every single episode, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly. it just didn't feel like it was like like cramming down my throat, like a you know, like a uh, like a blur, you know, just like whoa, what was all that? But um, so I don't know, and I think it also, like you said, I think it. I mean, we come from a generation that was uh, used to things episodic, you know, week to week, um, so much so that you know, I developed a huge love for cliffhangers. Um, and cliffhangers wouldn't be resolved. Sometimes they were resolved in a day. Sometimes they were resolved in a week. Sometimes they weren't resolved until like the next season. Um, and it was it was infuriating at times, but in a good way because you were excited and you couldn't wait. And you just were allowed, like I said, um, you were allowed to think about the possibilities, which was really cool. It, it was really more made it more interactive. I think. Um, so, for example, I mean, I think you know, I, I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't really understand, uh, you know, I feel, I don't know, feel bad, but it's a weird experience for those people that we know that watch Doctor Who when they packaged them all as like one story instead of like breaking it out to individual chapters. Because uh, I saw it as it, not as it aired in BBC, but the, the, the BBC aired it when it originally aired 
as like episode by episode. And that's how I watched it. Now it was every day. I didn't have to wait a week. But well, exactly. I was the same way because uh, Channel 26 in Washington, D.C. showed it every night at 11 yeah. p.m. Monday yeah, through Thursday. Seven, 7.30, somewhere in there. Yeah, ours was on PBS there. But mm-hmm. some people, like, you know, certainly people in the South here, um, you know, they watched it every Saturday where it was all one big movie. Exactly. I used to love the cliffhangers in Doctor Who. That was one of the things that drew me to Doctor Who originally. And, you know, I had to stay up. You know, I was in junior high and, you know, I was like, I got to stay up till 1130 to watch Doctor Who, you know. So it was pretty awesome, you know. And so, yeah, and it's it's interesting to see, you know, how many people are complaining and whining about that. I hope when Stranger Things comes back, they do it weekly. I really do. It would be, I would be okay with it. Let's put it that way. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. I don't think that Netflix is going to change anytime soon. Uh, no. You know, their their model is their model. And same thing with Amazon. They dump everything out at the same time. So not, not true, not true, not true. They did the boys weekly. Oh, that's true. That's right. Because when they, when they release Bosch, they do it all in one day. But you're right. I think the boys was like one of the first times they did that, right? And it got Actually, people mad. Actually, Mrs. Maisel did it also last season. Uh, but they I remember the boys, people what, were mad. What they ended up doing, and they did the same thing with the boys. They released the first two episodes. Gotcha. And then, and that's what they did with WandaVision, too, mm-hmm. this year. They released the first two episodes like, hey, this is your first taste. It's free. But then you have to, you know, you're going to have to wait weekly from this point on, you know, type thing. And that's what they, they've been doing. And I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's really smart. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no I get that. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's interesting that, the, look, I, I'm glad that the choices are there, you know, for people who mm-hmm. want to watch them. All at once, they can do that if you just wait until the series is over. Usually the seasons are not, no longer are seasons like 24 episodes or whatever. So you don't have to usually wait that long uh, to binge stuff. You only have to wait like, you know, six, seven, eight, 13 weeks, whatever it is. Um, but for those people who want to watch it out episodically, that that choice is there too. And, um, and if people want to own the physical media, they have to wait a little bit longer, but that's available as well. So I like the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, they're offering options to people. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's any right way or any wrong way to do it. Um, uh, because Lord knows I've, I've experienced all that and it just, you know, I've had good experiences with any of that stuff. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I think if you want to binge watch it, Stay away from spoilers and then well, wait till hard. it's all. Oh, it is. No, but what I was saying is wait till the series is over and then go ahead and watch the whole season. That's what we're going to be doing with Better Call Saul season six. Yeah, you got to be. We haven't pre- seen it yet. You got to be prepared for, you know, you may get, you know, the, the downside is, is that you may have things spoiled. But, you yeah. know, that's the, and unfortunately, that's the reality that we live in is that, you know, there are people actually, look, even if, you know, I watched the last episode of WandaVision that morning, like pretty early. Like it was before like 11 or noon or something like that. Uh, that's what I consider early. And, uh, um, and yet I know online people were already, you know, talking about the ending and talking about this or that or whatever. Um, and not just like, not just fans. By the time I got up by 7 a.m., 
people are spoiling it already. Yeah, and not just fans, not just people who watched it, but like new like news outlets were spoiling it. And mm-hmm. uh and that's just, you know, the reality that we live in. So it's unfortunate, but it's just, you know, I you know, well that spoilers is a whole other discussion that we could have, but Oh, and we've talked about it on the show sure. many times. Many, many times, and that's a reason for people to go back into our archives and check it out. But, you know, definitely we'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what your thoughts are on this. Do you like it, you know, the weekly, or do you want to binge it and be, you know, out, out, out like that? Let us know. Write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Almost Famous. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Hello. This is the music editor at Rolling Stone magazine. This is William Miller. Yes, it is. I think you should be writing for us. From Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire. If you're going to be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're going to fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're going to meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs, and that's it. Amen. On the road with the band. Your mom called. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. Spirits run high. There's acid in the beer that's in the red cups. How do you know when it's kicked in? I am a golden god. Runs wild. Let's deflower the kid. We need this story in four days. Your time has come. And there's more to write home about. Can you speak with William, please? Is this Marianne with the pot? Then the music. What do you love about music to begin with? Everything. It's so easy to slip. It's so easy We're gonna die. Something should happen. Maybe I never said this enough. I love all of you. I slept with Marta Dick. I did too. Me too. I'm gay! Don't you have any regular friends? Famous people are just more interesting. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Before we get started, let's say hi to our new sponsor, Inked Marketing. Inked Marketing's mission is to place your comic book-based business in the correct position in the marketplace for increased visibility and growth. They provide marketing solutions for comic book creators, artists, writers, shops, podcasters, and cosplayers. Come see what you can do with for your Kickstarter or your comic book shop. 
visit www.inkedmarketing.com and ask for the solutions guide. That's www.inkedmarketing.com. Thank you for supporting Earth Station One and definitely check out our new sponsor. And now, folks, it is the time, it is a place, it is a season for all good things to talk about, almost famous. That's right, folks, the auto, almost autobiography film of Cameron Crowe. And we are going back to 2000. And we have our movie folks here to join us tonight. Of course, let's welcome Alex Autry. Hey, gang, how are you? Good, sir. Everything going okay so far? Doing all right. No complaints. Um, this is a favorite movie of mine. It was one of my wife and I's very first dates. So I'm excited to get to uh, talk about this one this week. It's a good date movie. Uh, it is a great date movie, actually. But, you know, it was also my divorce movie. But that's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, this whole thing just got awkward. <laughs> exactly. And, of course, the lady who has not seen this film before. So this is her first time. Heck, I don't even know if she was born yet when this movie came out. <laughs> Let's welcome Ashley Pauls back. I was born actually when it came out, but it is true that this is my first time to see it. So it's always a pleasure talking about movies with you all. So I'm looking forward to diving into this one. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, this is one of my favorite Cameron Crowe movies. And I like quite a few of his films. And it's going to be fun to finally check on this has been on our list to talk about probably for almost the full time we've done the podcast but we've just finally had a reason to talk about it a with ashley and then b with it's the anniversary so it's pretty cool but before we get started alex how yeah. did this movie do at the theaters you know it it's uh cameron crow is another one of those uh, uh directors whose films don't necessarily translate into box office a lot of his work tends to kind of fly under the radar. And uh, this one kind of sort of did the same thing. Overall, its domestic box office was $32 million, uh, $32.5 million, uh, with another $15 million roughly uh, international. So for worldwide box office of $47 million, uh, which I think covers the use of one Rolling Stones song. Huh. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, but again, this is one of those things. This was his, this was a, a big, uh, uh, you know, pet project for him. Cause obviously it is autobiography, autobiographical. So uh, a lot of times with these, you know, uh, with these project films, uh, the box office doesn't really matter in the long run. Plus it was one of those movies where, um, uh, it didn't meet the budget cause the budget was 60 million. Yeah. Um, but it got huge critical acclaim and the actors were a lot of them were up for Academy Awards. I think some of them got Grammys and other, you know, uh, meaningful awards as well. And I think it really established uh, him critically more than it did as a box office guy. Yeah. It did win two Golden Globe Awards, including Best Picture, Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy and Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, but it, or, uh, overall for the year 2000 that it came out, and, and again, 2000 was an amazing year for films. Um, although, to be fair, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas was the number one movie uh, that year. Um, but it wah, was, wah. yeah, um, it was actually right in the same area as as films like uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which did 45 uh, for the mm -hmm. year. Um, it uh, it averaged closer to, uh, unfortunately, films like Little Nicky and Pitch Black. Uh, keeping the faith, 
uh, from uh, Disney and uh, Bounce, which was a uh, Miramax uh, basketball film. Hmm, interesting. I don't so, know if it's a movie that could be made today. I don't think it would make sense for the studios to back it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a product of, of its I, time, I think, even just I, 20 years ago. I think a Netflix I, would, would pick it up. Yeah, exactly. I'd say a Netflix or Amazon would pick it up. Amazon, maybe, definitely. Yeah, Maybe. But I mean... I mean, if you look at Cameron Crowe's, uh, you know, uh, filmography since this, it's not been that stellar. So, um, and he, he doesn't, he doesn't have that, that many, had that many opportunities to do other things, you know? He's, uh, and, and I hate making this kind of um, uh, comparison because when I first say it, you guys are going to look at me like I'm crazy. He's very, very similar in direction as Kevin Smith because Smith's movies come out and they don't play well. No, they don't. And then 10 right. years later, people are still talking about them. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. 20 years later with this one, and we're still talking about it. Or at least we will be in a minute or two. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very true because, you know, I actually that's a great comparison because he also, like Kevin Smith, has a very hardcore fan base. Too. Very devoted. Yeah, exactly. And it's – it's a lot of, you know, yeah, Kevin Smith is more poop and jokes and such where Cameron Crowe is basically into the music and, you know, and you, it shows especially in this film. And I think for this film and probably singles are his most music-based films in a lot of ways. And I think some ways the music is almost should be getting a starring role in this. And this movie is great because it plays on a whole world of, you know, a band, new band, which is, in, you know, basically Cameron Crowe when he was a teenager, you know, did tour with various bands. He toured with Poco. He did uh, also the Allman Brothers Band, Led Zeppelin, Eagles, and Leonard Skinner. And, you know, when he was all in a teenager. So this, you know, the band Stillwater was basically a, you know, you know, combination of all those bands put together. At the beginning of the movie, we see a bunch of memorabilia uh, from that time period. And one of them is actually a ticket uh, for the Allman Brothers band. That ticket is not a recreation. That's Cameron Crowe's ticket from when he was on tour with them. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I kind of figured that that whole like drawer is his like full of his stuff, you know. Like, it's, it's in his garage, you know. Exactly. He just said, "Ah, here, just start, open the movie with this," um, and just opened up a drawer and said, "There you go, just shoot it." Mm-hmm. Just shoot in there. That's you know my stuff. I don't care if it gets out, you know that type of thing. But it's pretty awesome too because you know Cameron Crowe also has a very famous wife. And, you know, she did all the music for this movie, you know, to help put it together. And that's Nancy Wilson, who, you know, helped form heart. You know, so it's pretty awesome to, you know, see the combination. And they actually do a cameo in this movie, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So he had a very famous wife. They've been divorced for 10 years. Well, I know. (laughs) Was it because of Almost Famous? Probably. Yeah, probably. I almost guarantee it. Yeah. You so. know, licensing issues, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> no, of course. So, you know, I know it's Ashley's first time seeing this, but Mike Gordon, when was the first time you saw this? 
Michelle and I saw this in the theater. So uh, we saw it like, you know, we say it was a date movie and it's a good date movie. And that's what we did. We went and saw it. Um, uh, You know, Michelle's love for rock music, especially 70s rock music. Um, This was right in her wheelhouse. Plus, we had just seen um, Billy Crudup in a uh, biography on uh, uh, Prefontaine, a runner. So we were a fan of his and uh this was right this was this was a no-brainer i think we saw this first weekend and liked it at the time uh i say at the time because um re-watching this this weekend i realized i didn't remember a thing about it so um wow uh yeah i know i guess it didn't stick in my head so um i've only seen it twice um and i like it a lot um it's a great movie it's well done um and uh so i'm glad uh we're doing this so it gave me a chance to revisit it Cool. Alex, what about you? Uh, saw it opening weekend. Uh, this is uh, one that uh, Tally and I saw the, uh, the, uh, the trailers for it. Uh, especially, you know, the, the sequence with them on the bus and him saying, I got to get home. And she goes, you are home. Uh, it, we were like, okay, that's, that's a pretty cool scene right there. So we were looking mm-hmm. forward to it from the very beginning. Um, and it became one of those ones where it was like, it came out, we, we saw it on our date and then like months later, uh, you know, you, you get to see the, uh, uh, FYE has got the big sign that says pre-order now for your copy. And then it was coming out like the first weekend of March. I was like, Oh, there's my birthday present. You can <laughs> mm-hmm. get it for me on, on DVD. And she did. And so, yeah, this has been, uh, this has been tracking with us. Uh, since we started dating and now here it is all this time later for me it was the same thing i was living in california at the time and it was one of the first movies i had gone to see by myself after moving down there and it i had seen the trailer for it actually i probably saw the trailer for it when i saw oh brother where art thou and I was like, oh, this is my era. This is, you know, all the type of music my family was in. And I was a Cameron Crowe fan. So it was like two reasons to go see it. And the same thing with the trailer, you know, the whole thing with them on the bus and, you know, William going, I need to go home. And, you know, Penny Lane going, you are home, you know, and it's just like, oh, I got to see this movie. I got it. And I fell in love with it right away. This movie like caught my attention. And to this day, it's one of those movies. If I see it on TV, I'm, you know, anywhere in the movie, it could be the last five minutes. I'll watch the, all the way to the end or, you know, and it's just, it's just that kind of movie. And the soundtrack is just like, wow, it's on heavy rotation on my iPhone. And, you know, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, we'll talk all about that in a few. Ashley, your first time, let's get your initial thoughts. So what's kind of funny is I don't know where I got this impression, but before I watched Almost Famous, the only things I basically knew were Kate Hudson was in it. And for some reason, I thought it was a wacky comedy. So it was kind of a surprise to get into it and realize like, oh, this is a little more serious than I thought it was going to be. But I was actually pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it and the journey that the film took you on. It, I was kind of surprised it wasn't necessarily like based on a true story. Maybe it was inspired by true events because I think it has this authenticity to it. And I think anyone can kind of relate to it with just like the passion that characters like 
William and Penny have for music. I'm not as much of a music geek. Like I love music, but I don't follow the bands as much. I could still relate to the passion they had because for me, it's movies. Like um, seeing William get to write for a big music magazine. Like if I could have done something like that when I was a teenager, I mean, what an incredible dream. And just seeing him get to do that and then kind of meet his idols and learning that they're not perfect. There's good and bad of being famous. So I think there's a lot of layers to this movie just beneath. It's it's a fun movie on the surface to watch, but there are definitely some deeper themes to dive into about the nature of fandom and what it means to be famous and a celebrity and stuff like that too. So a very enjoyable experience, one that I would be willing to watch again for sure. That's awesome. That's better than I was expecting. So that's good. This is good. (laughs) I was worried when she says, oh, it's expecting a comedy, you know. And biggest disappointment of 2021. (laughs) (laughs) What a letdown. It wasn't funny at all. It's interesting because I think the casting was really well done. This is the first thing I had ever seen Kate Hudson in. And, you know, I thought I to me, it was like at the time she looked like a clone of her mother. She's really channeling her mom in this. I think I've seen her in other movies, too, and she doesn't really give off that much of an impression like that Goldie Hawn like look. But here she could it's like you, you know, if you squint, it's like it's it's her mom. She yeah. she needed to be Goldie Hawn in this film. Yeah, we needed very Goldie Hawn type from character. her. Because and the reason why we needed that was because nothing exemplified um, that era as much as Goldie Hawn did. I mean, at this point in time that we're seeing the movie, the real Goldie Hawn had just been made, had just kind of been become the breakthrough of Laugh In. She was just getting films like Shampoo, um, mm-hmm. you know. So to have, so literally at the time, any female characters like that probably was looking at Goldie Hawn as an idol, and would follow oh, yeah. that that pathway. So I think really that was a great choice. Um, you know, I you know it, 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 the irony doesn't fall off, you know fall off of me that that you know his, her Goldie Hawn's daughter was playing basically Goldie Hawn. Yeah, uh, in this, but it, it worked. It really, really worked. And um, but I mean, we got to give credit to the other uh, 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 the other tour mates, um, like Faruza Balk and and Anna Paquin, uh, Busy oh, yeah. Phillips. All of them just wonderful. Um, they really got a, a fantastic group um, to to play the bandmates. And a lot of them have gone on to so many other things. It's just Except amazing. Except for Anna Paquin, who peaked at the piano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go from yeah. there? Yeah, if you Where won an you Oscar go? in your first film and you're, <laughs> you're six. You know, exactly. You know, you're stuck with, at that point. Happens with child stars all the time. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, and it, what did you say, Mikey? No, I was just about to say, Ashley mentioned the word that I think is key to the success. And what I love about this movie is authenticity. Um, and, uh, not only does Cameron Crowe live this lifestyle, so he knows it and he brings it, uh, none, all the cast is, it feels like they stepped right out of like the 1970s or sixties, you know, um, the music, thanks to, you know, Peter Frampton and Nancy Wilson and everybody else involved feels like it fits with that. Like, you know, you could swear that those were real songs from that era, 
Um, when you go backstage, there's so many times where we've seen movies and TV shows or whatever, where you go backstage and it, you know, it just doesn't feel like those of us who have been backstage know what that experience is like. And this really captures it. Um, I mean, it really feels authentic behind the scenes and on the bus and mm-hmm. everything like that. I mean, I don't have the extension, the extensive, you know, background that Cameron Crowe does, but on a limited scale, I have been in similar so- situations and it, and this is what it felt like. Oh, very much so. Hell, they even had the band Stillwater learn how to play the instruments oh, yeah. for all the songs, you know, and it's pretty awesome, you know, that you they, to see them in concert and to see them play. And, you know, I know it's not Jason Lee singing, is it? No, 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 no. I didn't think so because, you know, but it's just it's just awesome to it's, hear uh, them. Marty Fredrickson. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. But it's which is weird because it could be because he could sing. Oh, I know. And but I think the chemistry between them and that you could feel the rivalries, you know, between Jeff and through you know all the different other characters, you know, and it's just it's pretty darn awesome. So so here's here's the thing for me in regards to that. Um, and I don't know if it was Cameron Crowe's doing intentionally or not, because um, the idea, obviously, of the film is that we're learning about this guy who's going to be a huge star. And everybody knows. I mean, the T-shirt guy knows that there's one star in this band. Yep. And it's Russell. And it's Russell Hammond. Yep. And um, it it got to me to be a point where, like, I was going through the cast list and I had genuinely forgotten that Jason Lee was in the movie. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, crap, that's Jason Lee. I love (laughs) Jason Lee. Has he always been in this movie? Shoot Jason mm-hmm. Lee at the side of the road going, what about me? I'm only the lead singer. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Leave without me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it, but literally, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's played for throughout the entire film as being a, a source of contention between them all. But literally, I forgot that he was in the movie because I was th- I was going through just how big a cast this was and how difficult just for payment wise it would be to make a film like this now with the cast that they got. Oh, gosh, yeah. This would be, uh, it's amazing to think about because, you know, the band itself, you have, you know, Jason Lee as the lead singer, but it's it's Russell's band. It is yeah, for all purposes. And it basically is Russell, you know, being the breakout star of this. And he also being the one that William needs to interview throughout the whole movie. And it just, that's basically putting off, putting off, putting off. But that also sets the series of adventures. Ashley, what did you think about like the pacing and the introduction of all the different characters? Yeah, I thought the movie had a nice flow. I like that they start off with William, kind of how he is introduced to music. The sister leaves the records for them and then he falls in love with it. And then he's trying to get to be a music reporter. And then one of his stories does well. So then Rolling Stone, sort of, I imagine, like the holy grail of music publications for him. They give him an offer to write for that. So then it was cool to see him meet with 
get to know the band members and just the fact that they brought him along on tour. He got to see and record everything. Just, you know, what a unique experience for somebody of that age just to get to be kind of on the front row seat of this band that's up and coming. Like this is going to be a major player and he can look back and say, I got to interview them and kind of be a part of this tour right when they were uh, getting big. Exactly. And that's, you know, you saw the highs and lows of that. Yeah. Literally. And I like that they showed both the good and the bad of tour life. Like that airplane scene was crazy intense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty sure it wasn't actually going down because it didn't feel like the movie would end on that dark of a note. But I really enjoyed that moment just for what it brought out of all the characters kind of when they all thought they were going to die. So they kind of stripped back all that facade and just had that really raw moment of honesty. And then um, I was glad that William also got to publish his story. I was afraid they were going to, the band members would deny all of that. And then he just had this wonderful story that was completely true and they refused to run it. So I'm glad that they, they did decide to run it. Although kind of some I have a background in journalism and then the fact that the band member was denying the story makes me think, well, then it's probably true. Like this is a really juicy story. So if I was the editor, I probably would have run it anyway, even though the fact checker said the band denied it. But yeah, it was just interesting to see William get to go over through the full arc of the band and seeing him watch his story and learn what it's really like to be a part of the music industry. Okay, Mikey, since this is almost like your first time watching it again. I know, right? Um, <laughs> what, well, what were your thoughts? You know, talking about the, the cast of characters and everything like that, I mean, there's tons of, like most Cameron Crowe movies, because everybody wants to be part of his uh, movie experience. So you get all these uh, cameos, and some of them are from established people at the time, uh, and some of them are people that would be big later, you know, uh, Zoe Deschamps. Deschanel, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Marin, um, you know, Jimmy Fallon, Rain Wilson, uh, Jay Burchell, is that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, you know, all the, the many, many, many. And so, um, so that's interesting. It's almost a little unnerving, not unnerving. Whenever Jimmy Fallon pops up in the movie, and I know you know this, Alex, it takes you out of it. <laughs> it's, it's the Mike Myers um, effect. I so that was it. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just love it. I love his line, though. Do you think Mick Jagger wants to do this when he's 50 years old? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, but I want to take a moment here and say how much this movie made me miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, he is so good in this. I, you know, you, you hasn't he's been gone for a while now. And so I haven't seen him in anything, uh, obviously. And I, I just, man, I just forget how good he was. I mean, he's, yeah. he is like not the backbone in this movie, but man, he's like that Obi-Wan mentor character, right. To Luke. And it's just, he's perfect at it. He's enjoyable. It's like, yeah, he's, he's so good. Hoffman is one of those less is more kind of, uh, uh actors. He had four days to shoot for this movie and did they get a hundred percent of him in those four days absolutely Hell yeah 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 they yeah. did um so yeah no i i totally agree with you he's amazing in the role and i think he got a a, a golden globe nomination for that he did 
okay. Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Um, and probably should have gotten an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting. Because um, he's he's not only the mentor, he's the Jiminy Cricket. Because yeah. he tells them, yeah. out, they, they're, they're going to pretend like they love you. Yep. And yep. and you're not cool. I, I you're not. You think you're cool, but you're not cool. Don't make friends I've with them. Don't make friends with them. I've met you, kid. You're not cool. You're not. Don't cool. make friends with them. Don't make friends with them. They say that about us all the time, so we do understand. <laughs> don't make friends that. with them, and then at the end, oh, you made friends with them. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> and you know, because especially like Billy Crooks, uh, he was just awesome in this movie. He was outstanding. And he, I just loved, you know, Russell, you feel like he could be your best friend in this movie because he comes back by as that kind of character. But he has his alternative moments too in this. And he, you know, he, you know, is manipulating the situation for him yeah. also. And he does it perfectly. And to, the the final scene where... It's him and William in the bedroom, and he realizes that Penny got her revenge on him, and his her way of making him, you know, get to his payback for William, you know, type thing. It was just awesome, and the look on his face when he when he puts together where he is is classic. Yeah, he sells that really well. Um, it should be noted, though, that I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was like, well, you know, it seems like he did this nice thing by actually, um, you know, acknowledging that they the band did say that stuff, and you can go ahead and publish it. But it's because of that they get the cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, now they now they get what they want. Well, there's a there's a lot with 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 Billy Crudup's character that for a lot of the movie feels like he's doing things um, not just for himself. Mm-hmm. Cause like he knows he's bigger than Stillwater. Yep. He knows he says it. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's willing to stick around for them yeah. Yeah. because he loves them. Mm-hmm. But he also uh, makes sure to, to string things along so that he can continue to see uh, 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 Penny Lane and knows that he can get that uh, from from having uh, um, the interviewer uh, in, in place. So mm-hmm. I mean, as long as that interview is still hanging out there, this guy who clearly worships the ground that that Russell Hammond walks on is, you know, he, he's getting that pat on the back. He's getting that ego stroke. Uh, and in the end, he he you know he he does right by, um, and also you know gets to go face to face with Frances McDormand, who by the way is brilliant in this movie. She is. She's uh, always. Oh, brilliant. she's but yeah. She's freaking scary in this movie, <laughs> folks. Come on, your mom freaked You're, me out. <laughs> <laughs> he was really on the other end of the line for that call when they filmed. Oh, really? That, he was really on the other line. They they filmed that one together. That's funny. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. I just think that's awesome. So, I think Russell's really lucky that when the door opened, she didn't just punch him in the face. That was kind of what I was expecting because the mom threatened, like, if you don't do right by my son, then there's going to be hell to pay. So I was surprised she just didn't punch him when she opened the door, but she gave him a second chance to redeem himself. So everything worked out. 
Alex, you mentioned that, uh, you know, William's in awe of Russell all the time, but it's also this double-edged sword because he also hates him because he's with the girl that he loves. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. it was love at first sight with Penny. For He loves him and he hates him at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's And that mm-hmm. kid, I you know, uh, doesn't, you know, I don't know what he went to do actually acting-wise afterwards. I don't think a lot of note, but he's really solid in this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to play a, a quote-unquote cute kid and yet still be authentic, you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. He did awesome. He did awesome. He appeared in like he a lot of bit parts and, you know, nothing major. Like he's appeared on Law and Order and, you know, all those different things. Sure. But he hasn't done – He, I think out of everybody in this, you know, I think, you know, of the big names, I think he is, his was like the least, you know, rising star type thing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, everybody else gets like the, you know, play the, the if you play the character actor, uh, the character, like you get more credit. But I mean, he holds this movie together. I mean, he's the he's the backbone of this movie. He's there's very little that happens that he in this movie that he's not there for. And so he has to be present. And, and, and the love story is all him. And it's not a traditional love story by any means. And it's a very complicated one. And the ending's not the typical ha- Hollywood ending, but it still really works. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, he, neither he, of them got the girl. Yeah, he wound up doing a lot of uh, independent style films. Uh, he did the movie Saved with Macaulay Culkin, um, Cirque the Freak, The Vampire's Assistant, um, films like that. He also did a lot of television, uh, which is good mm-hmm. for him. He was actually on the TV show Treadstone, uh, which oh, was okay. the um, uh, Born Identity television series. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. Do you know that uh, it's interesting who the, I just was reading who they had originally wanted to play Russell, which is oh, yeah. pretty amazing because they were originally uh, Russell was going to be Brad Pitt. Which would have ruined and, the movie. Yeah, I think so, too. It would have made $100 million, but it would have ruined the movie. Yeah, I don't I couldn't I can't picture it. I couldn't picture anyone but Billy playing Russell. Yeah, it would have. You know, we talk about authenticity, and I think it would have stretched that. I like Brad. I do. And I think he's capable, more than capable of playing this type of character. But in some ways, it would have made him really stand out with the rest of the cast and the rest Mm -hmm. of the band. Like, it would have been really too apparent. Glenn Glenn Close could get an Oscar nomination for playing a paper bag. But when she appears on screen, you go, oh, it's Glenn Close playing the paper bag. It's the same situation that Pitt would have had in this one. People would have seen him on the screen and went, oh, it's Glenn Close playing a paper bag. And this is a terrible metaphor. I don't know where I've gone off to. But it's interesting because, you know, after reading that, I think, you know, his version of Russell probably would have been very similar to the character he kind of played in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Probably. Yeah, maybe. So. So good in that. Yeah. 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 So, but it's it's just interesting to think about that. But it's just it was just a great story. I was I've never been bored with this movie. There weren't any down scenes, and it just went from pop, 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 pop. For basically, for the way they did it, it was awesome. From tour stop to tour stop to tour stop, and they had little adventures at each one, including when they deflowered William. <laughs> because there was no tour stop; they were just stuck yeah. there. They were stuck, yeah, stuck in Greenville, Tennessee. Yes. I think everybody pretty much knew, especially his mom, that as soon as he signed up for this tour, he was not going to be a virgin on the other side. 
No. <laughs> Rock and rollers have kidnapped my son. And you know what? Mm-hmm. She did not say don't have sex. She said don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> oh, don't do drugs. Exactly. Oh, and I love that scene at the uh, Black Sabbath concert where she's, she, he's walking into the crowd and she yells, William, don't do drugs. And all, God, and, you know, he felt like relate, that Can you relate big. to that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't but my parents, a... my parents wouldn't have said don't do drugs. So, <laughs> no, I mean you telling your William that. Oh God, yes, I'd be the mom all the way <laughs> with a megaphone. Oh, exactly. I I have the ESO megaphone somewhere. There you go. Oh, I. But yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, and I do love that. You know, you get to see everything is from his almost his point of view. And which is good. And I'm glad they just didn't introduce him at his first tour stop, you know, and everything. You learned about the family history a little bit. And, you know, he was the overachiever. He was always the youngest kid in his his class. And, you know, and the mom not even telling him his real age. That was such a great scene. I'm 11? I that thought it was 13. So that look is so perfect. Uh, and I love the mother. Just think, take a year off. Go to Europe. It's like, and, you know, partly I felt like she meant it, too. But she would have freaked out anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was awesome, though. And, you know, there was there was so much good in this. And were there any down points for anybody in this movie? Is there anything, Ashley, since it was your first time, was there anything you didn't like about it? No, I think it works very well as a complete package from the music to the characters, to the way the story is told. I think it works very well together. And as someone else mentioned previously, I like that it wasn't necessarily a typical Hollywood movie ending. Everyone gets a happy-ish ending, but it feels a little more real life that way where things don't always work out. So I I thought it was great. Even the bus gets a happy ending. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) I know. I was kind of sad when they left the bus. So I guess the airplane taught them they should go back to the tour bus. I would too. I I loved it. It said no airplanes tour 74. that got a chuckle yeah. out of me for sure. Alex, what about you? You know, I think, uh, you know, just to bounce off of that, um, the reason why the bus becomes such a, a big thing for the film has to be the tiny dancer moment. Oh, yeah. Um, and course. that easily could have been a huge downslide in the film. I genuinely feel uh, that the party scene uh, where he just wants to be real um, and clearly has been given acid and uh, is, is, you know, hanging out with these regular people. That scene honestly doesn't feel legitimate and it probably actually happened. Um, But it doesn't to me feel exactly right because I feel, I I genuinely think that if a rock star comes into your house and keeps on saying you're real and you're real and this is real and, 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 and real, 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 eventually you're going to go, okay, the guitarist for Stillwater is a psychopath and we need to get the hell away from him. Uh, And then of course he almost kills himself jumping off the roof, um, you know, which was entertaining. Um, 
So I, you know, I think that's the only real downer part for me. But he uh, was a golden god. He was Remember a golden. That. Well, not was, <laughs> not was, is, is. Yeah, yeah he's still around. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's so true. I, I think uh, I think that's that's probably the only little downer thing I have to the film is that that just didn't feel legitimate. Uh, ironically enough, it didn't feel real to me. Okay, Mikey, what about you? Um, I don't have any real hard criticisms with this movie. I mean, I, I feel bad that I didn't remember much about it um, all these years, but that's probably more my bad memory than it is on the film. Um, I will say, though, that um, the film does address a couple times it talks about how this is a turning point in rock and roll, um, how rock and roll is dying and it's going to become something else. And you kind of see that a little bit, but with everything else going on and all the fun stories that Crow wants to tell, I think that message gets a little lost in the movie. Um, and there's a, as we know from that period, there's a darkness that's in rock and roll that this movie is kind of missing. Um, not to say that it's appropriate for it to be there, but I just kind of, it's it's like they bring it up and yet, because punk is right around the corner from this, like, and, and it, it just would have been, I don't know. I don't know how it would have worked, but I just felt like that would have been kind of interesting to see that develop just a little bit more. No, very true. That is very, very true. You're right. Punk rock is what this was 73 punk rock started 75 or so. Mm. It was starting to feel, you know, especially in the UK, it was, you know, slowly like 74, 75, you know, it was starting and then it started becoming really big here in the States, you know, yeah, 75, it, it still 76. It was a real band. Like this would be like the only album that they would really be successful. Cause right around the corner, they would be hated. <laughs> mm, I would not say that. Cause there was still, you know, Fleetwood Mac was 1977 and that was the same, you know, same kind of music in a lot of ways. And, you know, rumors was a huge, you know, sticks and all those bands. Yeah, but you had, had to be really you know, big. I mean, we're talking about yeah. big ones, not the mid-level ones. No, I know, but you still had, you had, still had them coming up. But you know, it was just, it was interesting. I know the airplane scene was based off of a airplane flight that they had. He had Cameron Crowe had with the Who. Yeah, and because they actually were, they crashed actually. The, the darkest moment of this movie is when Russell starts singing Peggy Sue in that in that plane. I'm oh, like, God, yeah. that was so dark. I couldn't believe that they went there. Actually, yeah, and and it's one of those things where it, it shows you a lot about how they deal with the dark moments is that they just try to make something funny out of it. Yes, yep, exactly. Um, right. And and you know, it's, I mean, especially because that would have been like ten years maybe 15 years after it actually, after the big bopper and, and buddy Holly and all them died. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a dark way to go. Plus, isn't this around the time that the Skinner? Yes. You would have had the yes. Skinner incident as well. Oh, yeah. So... Cause that was 74, 75, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it gets a little dark right there. Yeah, I think it would have been probably a little bit worse if if they had said I'm as free as a bird now uh, during <laughs> oh, that. Geez. But you know, <clears throat> I, right? 
that is that is I, that that really that's the darkest moment in the movie, isn't it? I think yeah. so. The because they don't scene? even really they don't even really treat drugs. I mean, it's a joke, uh-uh. right? Don't do yeah. drugs, but there's no real consequences for doing, except for well, when for Penny Penny ODs on, yeah, oh, she ODs yeah. on it, but that's on purpose. She, yeah, well, she's tried to kill herself because yeah, yeah. But she did else fall is for going herself. around drunk and on high and on acid and everything, and there's no real consequences for that. But that's okay. But that's, I mean, it's not. The but that's the way it was a lot in you know that era. And we weren't getting a lot of cocaine in this film. And I feel no. like that would have already started to to appear because you would have had disco and punk uh, right there at the at the uh, beginning. Mm. Yes and no, but yeah, it, coke was starting, but that wasn't. It was mostly pot, and yeah. people were also doing heroin, and you know, no. you know, yeah, they were really still doing 80s, acid. Right? Yeah, Coke was well. Coke was big in the late seventies and stuff during the disco era, like Alex was saying. So. But we can do a whole history episode right there. But it was it or was not. just interesting to to see, and it was neat to see you know them going to each city and how each one city was represented to it, and then the big was of course New York. Yeah, each one of the shows was done as if it was a different, uh, almost a different point in their careers. Yes, you, you had the vibe of the uh, the town fair. Uh, one where the electrocution occurs um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, your small clubs and then your bigger clubs and then your, your big, and obviously the big, the big event is New York. Right. And that's, you know, right when they were in New York, that's also when they got the new manager and the mm-hmm. whole thing with the airplane and the, you know, that's how they, well, it was in Cleveland actually, cause they yeah. went from Cleveland to New York. And then that's when they were going back West that's when they, you know, had the airplane situation. And that's when, you know, basically William said enough is enough. And he went to San Francisco and they were like, you're a kid. And that was, that was just awesome. So. Yeah. I wonder how and much of that was, was autobiographical. Cause I mean, Cameron Crowe really kind of like overachieved a lot. <laughs> oh Yeah. I'm probably that was probably the same reaction he got, and the venom from that fact checker. Yeah. That was, yeah. She was just like, I, you know, for the whole scene was just like it was so seventies. It was just, it was awesome, and the movie itself loved it. If you love music, if you love a good, you know, good autobiography kind of sort of, and it was it was neat to see, and of course you saw. Cameron Crowe and Nancy Wilson playing guitar with each other in a hotel room oh, at the right. first hotel when he went to LA the first time. And so that was kind of cool to see. And just all the different references to all the different bands at the time. It was just a lot of fun. If you like that kind of era stuff, definitely would recommend. Ashley, would you recommend it? This is the big thing. Yes, I would. Even if it doesn't sound like the type of movie you normally watch because I don't know that I necessarily would have picked it up and watched it if it weren't for this podcast, but there's enough great stuff going on with characters and the story being told that I think it's, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. That's awesome. That totally makes sense. Well, cool. Well, let's take a quick break and we will be back in a moment and we are going to be talking well, hell, we're closing the show. Let's get out of here. That's what we're doing. 
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about episodes four and five of WandaVision. So we got some real doozies of story in the last two episodes of WandaVision. We get to see outside of Wanda's subdivision and see the sword agents who are trying to figure out what is going on. We have Agent Wu and Darcy trying to figure out what's happening with this, and we get to see them watching and reacting to the TV-style episodes that they are also seeing with Wanda and Vision. We also see how Wanda is reacting to what is going on, since she seems to know, but also is possibly being controlled by something or someone else as well. We also see Vision slowly start to realize something is wrong, and with just the way that their neighbors are acting. And he tries to confront Wanda about it, who keeps dodging his questions. Then there's also the question about their kids. Are they real? Are they mutants? Who knows? Because they seem to have powers to speed up their growth, but there really isn't other explanation for it. And is the Pietro that shows up a different reality Pietro, or what? Is this how Marvel is bringing mutants into the MCU? Through this weird rift that Wanda has created? so many questions and I am so happy that this show was made the way it was. It is experimental with the old school TV episodes to start it out and then we get into what everyone is used to seeing from a Marvel show. So far it has been super fun and I cannot wait to see what they have in store for you know for us for the remaining episodes since there's nine total episodes in this series. Well thanks for listening to a Geek Girls Take. What will I talk about next week? Well you're gonna have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that is going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our movie folks for being here tonight. Alex, thank you as always, my friend. Uh, it's a real pleasure. It's a great time getting to talk about uh, great movies with uh, with everybody and uh, introduce more and more fabulous stuff to Ashley. Yes, it's our podcast should be called Educating Bo- Ashley. So it's awesome. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, I just want to say this, man. Mental health is real. Take care of yourselves, people. Yep, definitely agree completely. And Ashley, thank you. Thank you, as always. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. I love discovering new movies and talking about good stuff with you all. Yeah, stick with us. We'll get you into really good stuff. We're just scratching the surface. That's what we like to say. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, Yeah, Um, I have been checking out some different streaming services. And this month, I've been watching through Acorn TV. It has a lot of great British dramas on it. Um, I just finished watching really great adaptation of Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, done by the BBC. So I highly recommend that. So if you're looking for new streaming services to try, Acorn TV is relatively inexpensive and has some great stuff on there. That is awesome. Awesome, awesome. And Mr. Mike, you made it through another one, my friend. 
We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Well, hopefully you'll be able to remember this one in 20 years when it's, you know. You know what? If I don't remember watching the movie, I can always replay this podcast. That's a good point. And you'll just say, this is what I said that time. This is it. I'm like, who is that guy? Exactly. Who is that guy? God, can you imagine see, if we're doing this show in 20 years? <laughs> That's almost frightening. Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. That is awesome, though. All right. What do you got for us, Mr. Mike? Um, I just want to give my shout out to honor two uh, great legendary actors that we lost in this past week, uh, Hal Holbrook and Christopher Plummer. Um, combined, I think they made every, they're in every movie that was ever made. Um, uh, they are just always, always, no matter how good, bad, indifferent the movies that they're in, they always give a solid performance. They're always a reason to go, hey, that's I, I enjoy seeing that actor in this in this movie. Thank you. Um, yeah, they. I can't uh, say my appreciation enough for the work that those both those two gentlemen did. Um, uh, it just leaves a big hole. I mean, it, yeah. No, it's pretty they amazing. They don't make them like that anymore. No, the it, it feels weird. 2021 feels like we're losing a lot of people very quickly. It's just very strange. It, it's one of those things where, you know, these are people who have been in our lives for many, 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 many years and were there prior to that uh, in, in, you know, the films that they did and everything. Um, so I think we're going to get, unfortunately, I think we're going to get a lot more of that this year, uh, where we're going to see a lot of older stars, uh, legends of the business, uh, just not make it much further. Um, Hal Holbrook did a fantastic, uh, one man show as Mark Twain. Oh God. Yeah. I wish I got a chance to see Um, that. And we actually saw it at the Fox. Really? I I will tell you this. Uh, somebody came in that was sitting on the third row about 10 minutes after the show started. And obviously you don't do that. Holbrook finished a sentence, turned his back to the audience as if he was pondering something, as if he was thinking of something and let the person get to their seat and sit down before turning around and starting back up. Wow. And it was truly amazing. The professionalism that man had, because he could have lost it. He could have lost everything, and instead he was the picture of composure, just turned his back, let the person sit down, turned around, didn't miss a beat. Damn. Wow. That's awesome. That is pretty darn amazing. You know, I you've seen him in so many different movies, so many, both him and Christopher Plummer, you know. Mm-hmm. You, know you know, for me, Christopher Plummer is Sound of Music, you know. Then you also have Star Trek and, you know, all the other things he's done. It's just, but it's just for me, it's, it's, it was like in our house, it was always a yearly tradition watching the sound of music. And, you know, it was just, so you grew up with it and, you know, and this is when you only had one TV in the house and my mom and my sister had to watch sound of music every year that it was on. Cause it was always around Christmas time on, mm-hmm. I think NBC or ABC or one of those, yeah. they would every year would show the sound of music and, you know, it was, it was an event back then folks. They did have, you know, it was. Yeah. And, you know, he, as, you know, Papa Van Trapp, you know, it, it was just pretty much 
everything, you know, and it was just, you know, how many times did we make fun of, you know, Edelweiss, you know, growing up? It was just, you know, it was just a ton of, you know, thing, you know, the words, hell, until I, well, never mind, we're not going to get into that, but <laughs> this is still a G-rated show, kind of, sort of, but, you know, it's just, it's just awesome, you know, that we got to experience it and got to experience some amazing, amazing performances by both actors. And yep. it's, you know, and Alex, I wish I could have seen that show that you went to. Me too. Yeah. Truly an Me amazing too. performance. And I didn't appreciate it as much as I probably should have. Like I did it for 60 years. I'm like, how did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> It's it is up on YouTube. You could definitely check it out. Yeah, you can you yeah, can find yeah, it. Yeah. And also, if you want a really great performance from Christopher Plummer uh, that that flips the other side of the coin, uh, check him out in the Spike Lee movie Inside Man. Wow, mm. you know a so. lot of people only you know for Christopher Plummer. Oh, Knives Out. Oh, yeah, that's you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's how long these guys. I mean these guys worked right up to almost you know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Worked right up to the end. I mean, Hal Holbrook was doing the the the, the Twain show, and I think the last movie I saw him in was Lincoln, which is a couple of years yeah. ago with the Spielberg movie. Yeah. Exactly. So it's pretty amazing, folks. Uh, my shout out, real quick, is I watched a great movie. Everyone and their mother should check out. It's called The Dig. It is on Netflix, and it is an amazing based off another based off a true story. And it basically is uh, Ralph Fiennes. He plays an, an amateur archaeologist, and he is hired on to do a dig on this rich widow's property. And the dig he takes place in is right before World War II. And so you feel the tensions of that. But it changes history of what the UK and, you know, how you know how how long the land has been occupied and stuff it is pretty amazing and you have some great characters in this you have some great actors also in this one and it's i would definitely recommend it and you know it's netflix so folks check it out and you will not be disappointed in it and i don't want to say anything else about it because watch it for yourself you're, you're just going to be blown away. So definitely, definitely check that out. You know, join us again next week when we are going to be celebrating Black History Month. And we are going to have some great discussions about that next month. So it should be really interesting to see what we come up with. And, of course, thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. As always, it's just great to talk to everybody here. And, you know... We couldn't do this without you guys. And we are powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yes, we're not too proud to beg for listeners. We always will beg for listeners. Trust us on that one. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Michael Gordon, Ashley Pauls and Alex Autry. Thanks again for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. And we are done. Don't do drugs! <laughs>
You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.